So let's just acknowledge the anxiety that a scripture reading like this can create, right? Like this isn't a good story, right? Kind of crazy, uh, but I, I want to share with you why I chose this as the final scripture passage in our focus over the last year on this idea uh, that Jesus calls us to become people who provoke life and help him change the world. We, we started all the way back in October uh, looking at each of the Beatitudes and, and preaching through the implications of those. And then this summer, we've been looking at the first uh, few chapters in the book of Acts, particularly uh, about this interaction that Peter and John have with a crippled man, and then they heal him, and then all nonsense breaks loose because they had broken these rules, and they're brought before these religious leaders, and it causes all these problems. Uh, and then the, how the church responds to uh, pray and lift up a, a request to God for boldness. And, and out of that request, God pours out God's spirit, and, and there is this radical response of unity and hospitality and generosity. Uh, and, and then we have this story. <laughs> Right, so we're we're gonna we're gonna talk about this, uh, and, and the reason why I picked this passage to end with. Uh, my, my hope is that you continue to uh, to discern and to listen uh, and to imagine what it looks like for you to be a person who provokes life, for you to be a person who helps Jesus change the world. But we're going we're gonna to shift uh, as we come into uh, the fall and the program year, and, and, uh, and, and we're going to be going a, a different direction after that. But the reason I, I chose this passage is I think one of the greatest challenges that the church faces is when hypocrisy exists within its membership, within its leadership. And I want to be clear, uh, because anytime we talk about money in the church, anytime money is talked about in the Bible, everybody gets like all anxious and worried about what the implications are for their lives. This passage is not about money. This passage is about honesty and transparency, because there is great harm in hypocrisy. About 12 years ago, or so, I, I stumbled across a, a preacher named Tullian Tavichin. And, and Tullian is uh, one of the grandsons of Billy Graham. Uh, at the time, he was the pastor of Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church in Florida, which those of you with longer memories might remember that there was a, uh, I think his name was James Baker, and he was a, a televangelist. He had a, a TV show. Uh, well, that was his church. He founded that church. And then uh, Tullian had, had taken that over when, when he retired. And he had become a bit of a celebrity pastor in his own right. And he's not Lutheran, but I got to tell you, he's more Lutheran than a lot of Lutherans that I know. Uh, and I started listening to his sermons, and it was around the time where I was really discerning where I stood theologically, because I don't come from a Lutheran background. Uh, and so as I was praying about my place in the church, uh, his sermons came along for me at a very formational time, and they were foundational to how I came to understand what it meant to be Lutheran theologically. Like, why are we a Lutheran church, and why did I align with that? And you've heard me talk about the, the do more, work harder, get better, or else paradigm. I actually borrowed and adapted that from Tullian. That, that was one of, his, one of his big themes as well. 
In 2015, it was revealed that Tullian, who was married, had an affair with a member of his congregation who was also married. And that is a massive violation of trust. And it's a form of spiritual abuse on his part because of the nature of the the clergy-parishioner dynamic. And so uh, uh, all of that was on top of the destruction that it caused in his personal life with, with his family. He had kids, and it was just, it was a huge mess. And he fell from this pedestal that I and many others had placed him on. Now, normally when a, when a public figure, particularly a, a Christian public leader, has a fall from grace, what often happens is you kind of never hear from that person again. That they slink back into the shadows and, and they're silent for a few years and, and maybe, maybe forever. But Tullian was different because once this got out in the public, he laid himself on the altar of public opinion and scrutiny. He was honest about the nature of his hypocrisy, what had led him down that road. He owned the damage to his family, to his congregation, to his public ministry. And he repented repeatedly in in just about every forum that he could and, and left ministry for a time. And what he's shared in interviews about the time immediately following this, this disclosure, this, uh, the exposure of his hypocrisy, is that when it happened and when he was fully exposed because of that, his first thought was, I want to die. And he even acknowledged considering ending his life because of the guilt and shame that he felt for what he had done, the damage that he had caused. He could not imagine going on living life carrying that. Now, in no way am I seeking to diminish what Tullian did, the harm that he caused. It's a horrible breach of trust to not only have this event in his marriage, but also as a pastor with a member of the congregation. That is a massive, massive form of spiritual abuse. But I do think what happened was instructive. Because when hypocrisy of any kind is exposed, it does great harm, yes, to those who looked up to the hypocrite, When a spouse cheats or when a parent acts dishonorably, when a faith leader is exposed for grave sins, when a public leader is exposed for exploiting power, it's incredibly destructive on those in that person's sphere of influence. But unless the person labeled a hypocrite is a sociopath and they just don't care about anything that happens around them, The revelation of their hypocrisy does great damage on them as well. And that's kind of what's going on in our reading today. As I said, this passage is not about money. It's about honesty and transparency. So last week we talked about how the early Christians went to to pray and they, they asked God for boldness in the face of opposition. And the Holy Spirit shook the foundations of the building they were in and and filled the disciples with joy and with encouragement 
and that their response was, was radical unity, hospitality, and generosity. And they started making financial contributions for those in need because the, the financial needs were massive in the early church. And there was a guy named Barnabas. Barnabas, Barnabas was a, was a high-level leader in the church. He was well thought of. He, he was known as just that encouraging presence. We all know that one person who just every time you see him, you just leave their presence encouraged. He was that guy. He later would be a traveling companion of Paul. Paul references him in, in a number of, of, of his letters. And Barnabas was clearly someone of means. And so he, in response to this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the joy, the encouragement, the call to a common mission, he takes a piece of property that he owned and he sells it and he lays it at the, the, the proceeds at the feet of the disciples for use in the community. And then we meet Ananias and Sapphira, who we know almost nothing about. Clearly they had to be people of means because They had something to sell, and most people didn't in that day. And they do what they saw Barnabas do. They take proceeds, they lay at the disciples' feet, and they claim that they gave the full amount, but they secretly held a portion back for themselves. Now, it's my guess that Ananias and Sapphira were sincere in their faith. But like Christians at any point of history, there were strongholds. In their lives. Just because you follow Jesus doesn't mean that all of a sudden the the old hang-ups, the emotional attachments, the ambitions, it, it doesn't, those don't just go away. And they don't stop tempting you in a direction that is out of alignment from God's will for your life. And feeling the pull of those intentions, those temptations. And even indulging in those temptations, that's not what makes someone a hypocrite. A hypocrite is someone who presents themselves as a person free from those strongholds, not struggling with those temptations. A person who represents themselves either by their words or by the position that they hold in the world as far better than they actually are. This passage is not about money. It's about honesty and transparency. See, the problem with Ananias and Sapphira is not that they withheld a portion of the property that they sold. Because there was no mandate in the church for a certain level of generosity. Peter lays this out in Acts 5 verse 4. He says, wasn't that property yours to keep? After you sold it, wasn't that money for yours to do with whatever you wanted? What would make you do such a thing? You haven't lied to other people, Peter tells Ananias. You've lied to God. Why would they do that? Perhaps they saw the response that Barnabas got. That when he gave his gift, they wanted to to match it. And not just in terms of how the rest of the church responded to Barnabas. But, But there is something that happens when you are radically generous. There's a peace that comes over you. It's weird, but it's like the more you give of yourself, the less worried you are about yourself. 
Because the experience of generosity is far more profound than the anxiety of any perceived lack on your end as a result of that generosity that your giving might have created. Whatever way that Barnabas was blessed because of his generosity, perhaps Ananias and Sapphira, they wanted that for themselves. They wanted the blessing, but not so much the generosity that that prompted that. And in that way, they didn't lie to people. They lied to God. This passage is not about money. It's about honesty and transparency. Ananias and Sapphira presented themselves as something that they were not. And in doing so, they fell into hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is toxic to a community because it destroys trust between people. And in the first century, the early church relied on one another in ways that aren't really reflected in our 21st century reality. It's hard to imagine the degree of trust that was necessary in the first century church. They were outcasts. They were marginalized. Because of their profession of faith in Christ, they had been cut off from their communities relationally and economically. And so in order for people to sustain life, in order for everyone to have some way of of existing and sustaining in the world, the church had to rely on one another, relationally and economically. And so they had to trust. Trust outside of the Holy Spirit might have been their most important commodity. And once trust is broken... It's really hard to get that back. The passage doesn't tell us why or how Ananias and Sapphira died. But I wonder if the exposure of their hypocrisy and the guilt and the shame that they felt at the damage that they had caused, the broken trust that they now experience, I wonder if it simply overwhelmed them until their hearts just broke. The passage ends with this statement, trepidation and dread seized the whole church and all who had heard what had happened. Hypocrisy is serious business. The breaking of trust is serious business. It was a wake-up call to the early church of the life and death nature of the community that they were building. So what can you and I take from all of this? There's great harm in hypocrisy. And in a case like Tullian Tavitian, in certain cases, it can begin to rise to the level of life and death. But there's actually good news here as well. It's, it's, hard, it's hard to see. But, but, but put, put Peter's words to Ananias back up on the screen. I want you to notice something. Peter says, wasn't that property yours to keep? Wasn't the money yours to do with whatever you wanted? In Peter's mind, in God's mind, it would have been perfectly acceptable 
for them to keep back a portion of those assets for, for whatever reason. Maybe they didn't want to give the full amount. Maybe they had plans for that portion. Maybe they weren't yet at, a, at the place that Barnabas was at where their level of trust was such that they felt free to give the full amount. Peter, Peter tells Ananias, that would have been just fine. And their gift would have been received in the same way that Barnabas' gift was received. This passage is not about money. It's about honesty and transparency. And what it says to you and I is that hypocrisy is not necessary. It is not necessary to put up a front, to present a version of yourself that you think people will accept, to present a version of yourself that you think God will accept, because God knows and people will eventually find out. We don't know how Peter knew what the sale price was. Maybe it was divine revelation. Maybe he just read the real estate transfers in the paper that day. Like, we don't really know, right? You don't need to pretend. You are free in Christ to be exactly as you are. God meets you where you are and promises to lead you to the place that God intends for you to go. Your fears, your doubts, your temptations, your hang-ups, your anxieties, your emotional attachments, they're not things to, to hide because you can't. And ultimately, when you try to hide what is going, really going on from God and from others, seeking to pretend that you're something that you're not, eventually it all comes out. And there is great harm in hypocrisy. But when you are honest with God and honest with others about where you are in the journey and where you sense that God is trying to lead you, but you're just not sure about that direction and you don't know that you can handle it and you're worried about what will happen to you if you give of yourself. It's a place where you can find support because that's all of us. Everybody is in that place. The great lie of the devil is the, th the thing that you have going on in your life, you're the only one struggling with that. It's nonsense. We're all struggling. And so there's freedom in acknowledging before God and there's support through the power of the Holy Spirit and the encouragement of, of a family of faith. Today, Tully and Tavichian is, is leading a church again. Having come through a, a season of dealing with, with the destruction that his hypocrisy wrought on his, on his life and his church, his family. And if I'm honest, I'm not sure how I feel about that. Because while I 100% believe that people uh, are given grace and forgiveness and we should forgive and we should uh, offer uh, that, that freedom, that we're all sinners, we all stand under God and under God's grace. There are also consequences. 
And, and I'm, I'm not sure that somebody who has done what he did should be permitted that level of leadership and responsibility and trust as a, as a Christian public leader. And yet, I, I don't know his heart. I don't know the, the journey that God has him on. I don't know whether the repentance and change uh, that he is expressing is authentic. I can't know, and it's not for me to know. But the little bit that I've seen of, of, of him, because honestly, through all of this, I've, I have a hard time listening to his sermons anymore. What I have seen is someone who knows the depths of human brokenness, because he's lived it. Someone who's uniquely capable about being honest about his own brokenness. Someone who has no illusions that he's anything other than what he really is. And someone who seems to exude joy from the freedom to be authentic. And so I hope all that is true. I hope all that is, is real. What it says to me is that while there is great harm in hypocrisy, there can be great joy in authenticity. You are free in Christ to be who you are and to be where you are. Hang-ups, temptations, fears, doubts, anxieties, all of it. You are free to be honest and transparent before God, and you are free to be honest and transparent in this family of faith. So the real question is, what will you do with that freedom?